Bibles to Joshua chapter 1 this morning, please. Joshua chapter 1. Someone has said that uh, 1 in 100 Christians read the Scriptures on a regular basis. 1 in 1,000 memorize Scripture, but only 1 in 10,000 meditate. Now, I don't know how scientific those statistics are, but they probably accurately reflect the truth when it comes to reading God's Word, memorizing God's Word, and meditating on God's Word. Now, I assume that many of you here have been doing that first thing for a long time. You've been reading God's Word regularly. You've been spending time in God's Word. And then, starting this past week, you have entered into that second realm. That is, memorizing God's Word as you've joined us on the Joshua Code Challenge. But I wonder how many today, here in this place are actively engaged in that third thing. That is the idea of meditating on God's Word. Now, when it comes to this whole idea of meditation, some maybe get a little bit nervous. In fact, uh, this whole idea of meditation gets a bad rap among many Christians, and rightfully so, if you're talking about the wrong kind of meditation. Now, some think of meditation as emptying your mind while sitting in an uncomfortable position and just saying some kind of mantra as you touch the spirit world. The dictionary says that transcendental meditation is a technique for detaching oneself from anxiety and promoting harmony and self-realization by meditation. Repetition of a mantra and other yogic practices promulgated by an international organization founded by the Indian guru, Marahashi Mahesh Yogi. That's a mouthful there. That's not what we're talking about when it comes to biblical meditation. We're not talking about emptying our minds. In fact, what we just read about transcendental meditation is actually a very dangerous thing. You're opening your mind to the spirit world. You're opening your mind, I believe, even for possible demon possession if you don't know the Lord. We're not talking about that kind of meditation where you sit in a very uncomfortable, weird position and just go, hum, and that kind of thing. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about not emptying our minds, but filling our minds with the very truths of the Word of God. We're talking about doing what God told Joshua to do. In Joshua chapter 1, and we kind of set that stage last week. We talked about the fact that here in Joshua 1, Moses, that mighty servant of God, is dead. And God buries his workmen but carries on his work. And, And a man by the name of Joshua is going to step into the sandals of Moses. Huge shoes to fill. And God has a word for Joshua. And part of that word is found in verses 7 and 8 where the Lord is speaking to Joshua, and He says this to Joshua in Joshua chapter 1, verses 7 and 8. Only be strong and very courageous, that you may observe to do according to all the law which Moses my servant commanded you. Do not turn from it to the right hand or to the left, that you may prosper wherever you go. Then verse 8, why we call it the Joshua Code. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, But you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. 
Now last week we talked at length about the idea of Bible memorization. Memorizing God's Word. Keeping it in our mouths. And today we're going to take the next step and talk about meditating on God's Word. You see, those two things go together. Bible memory and Bible meditation go hand in hand. You've got to remember, as Warren Wearsby reminds us, uh, apart from kings and prophets and priests, the average Jewish adult didn't own copies of the sacred books. They had to depend upon their memories in order to meditate on God's truth and discuss God's Word. They were told in Deuteronomy chapter 6 to talk about God's Word, to talk to their children about it as they walk, as they do the various things. And they had to keep it in their mouths and their minds. They had to memorize God's Word. And that's one of the reasons we're memorizing God's Word. Now we're going to take the same approach we took last week. We're going to ask some very basic questions about biblical meditation and seek to answer those questions. Three questions. What is it? Why should I do it? And how do I go about doing it? That's what we're going to talk about today when it comes to biblical meditation. Now, I would encourage you to take out a care card, or something to write down. I'll give you a lot of references of Scripture. You can jot those down. You can jot down some notes. I want to be very practical in today's message. But we're going to cover a lot of ground in a short time, God willing. I know that you're, number one, hungry and lunch is waiting. And number two, we know that the Panthers are going to beat the 49ers this afternoon. And we've got to get home and watch that, right? I wish you'd get that excited about church, let me just say that. But I'm going to watch it too. But anyway, uh, here we go. First of all, what is biblical meditation? What is biblical meditation? We already said what it isn't. Now, what is it? The word has the literal idea to mutter or to ponder or to talk to oneself. You ever talk to yourself? I was in the grocery store yesterday and I realized I was sitting there talking to myself. And i got to get this and that. People might think I was crazy. But it's the idea to meditate, to ponder, to mutter, to talk to oneself. It's the idea to think about. And not just a passing thought, but to think deeply, think intently. It's more than just reading. It's more than just memorizing. It's meditating on it, thinking deeply about it, musing on it. It's the idea of this. We can all grasp this where we live. It's the idea of a cow chewing on the cud. I won't go into all the details, you know how gross that is, you think about it, how it works, but anyway, I was walking this morning and the cows were looking at me, they were thinking deeply, intently, who is that guy coming? And uh, it's the idea of a cow chewing on its cud, bringing it back up and chewing on it. It's the idea of chewing on Scripture. Not just memorizing, but chewing on it. And so you memorize God's Word and then you chew on it. Keefley wrote, meditation means the act of focusing one's thoughts, to ponder, to think on, to muse. Reflective thinking, contemplation, synonyms, contemplation, reflection, rumination, deep thinking, remembering in the sense of keeping or calling to mind for the purpose of consideration, reflection, meditation. You got the idea what it is? Thinking deeply, chewing on it, meditating on it, spending time with it, going over it, over and over and over again, muttering it, chewing the cud. So we know what it is to meditate. But here's the big question. Why should I meditate on God's Word? I'm glad you asked that question. Well, here's the answer. There are so many answers, I hardly know where to start. We have to content ourselves to just a few. Number one, why should I meditate on God's Word? Because it helps us to think God's thoughts. Because it helps us to think God's thoughts. The Bible says in Isaiah 55, 8 and 9, God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. 
For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. So if I'm ever going to have even a portion, or even move in the direction of thinking God's thoughts, I'm going to have to know God's Word. The Bible says in Romans 12 too, and do not be conformed to this world, but you transform, how? By the renewing of your mind, that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. If you're going to transform your life, you've got to transform your thinking, transform your mind, and you do that with the Word of God, as we fill our minds with the Word of God. Now, the idea of meditation, you say, why should I do it, preacher? Well, the Bible is filled over and over again with this idea of meditation. I want to share just a laundry list of them with you. Jot the reference down, you can look them up later. Genesis twenty four sixty three. Way back in the first book of the Bible, Genesis twenty four sixty three. And Isaac went out to meditate in the field in the evening. And he lifted his eyes and looked, and there the camels were coming. So Isaac's meditating way back in Genesis 24. Psalm 4.4 Be angry and do not sin. Meditate within your heart on your bed and be still. Selah. Psalm 19.14 This is a familiar verse to many. Let the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, my strength and my Redeemer. Psalm 63 verse 6 When I remember you on my bed, I meditate on you in the night watches. Psalm 119, verse 97. Oh, how I loved your law. It is my meditation all the day. Psalm 143, verse 5. I remember the days of old. I meditate on all your works. I muse on the work of your hands over and over and over and over again. This idea of meditation of muttering, of musing, of thinking deeply about God's Word. You see, the great thing about meditation is not just knowing God's Word and not even just knowing God's thought. The great thing about meditation is knowing God Himself. Because as you fill your mind and heart with God's Word and God's thought, as you begin to think in those those regards, you begin to know God better. You see, beloved, the more we know and think about God, the more we know God personally, the more we know God intimately, the more we begin to understand about our great God that she just sang about. So we should meditate on God's word because it helps us to think God's thoughts. It's modeled throughout all of scripture, but it also we should do this because it brings blessings to our lives. Did you know that it brings blessings to our life? Now, this is only true if we apply If we obey God's word, you can memorize God's word all day long. But if you disobey it, then I think it does more harm than good, doesn't it? Because we're accountable for the truth we know. But when we're memorizing and meditating and obeying God's word, it brings blessing to our lives. Did you know other books are given for information, but the Bible is given for our transformation. As we memorize God's word, as we meditate on God's word, and as we obey God's word, we are blessed. Did you notice Joshua 1.8? You've got it before you. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it when? Day and night. That you may observe, that is obey, to do according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous. And then you will have good success. We've already talked about it. Don't misunderstand. A Christian defines prosperity and, and success differently than the world does. This is spiritual success, spiritual prosperity. Listen to Psalm 1, 
1 through 3. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor stands in the path of sinners, nor sits in the seat of the scornful. Well, listen, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and in his law, in God's word, he meditates. Do you remember the verse? Day and night. He shall be like a tree planted by the rivers of water that brings forth its fruit in its season, whose leaf also shall not wither, and whatever he does shall prosper. Again, there it is, that theme. That if you fill your mind and heart with God's Word, you, 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 you meditate on it, you obey it, it brings about blessing to your life. Listen to Psalm 119, verses 9 through 16. How can a young man cleanse his way? Well, that's a good question, isn't it? The day in which we live. How can a young man cleanse his way? By taking heed according to your word. By obeying your word. With my whole heart I have sought you. Oh, let me wander not from your commandments. Your word. Listen. Your word I have hidden in my heart. I have memorized it. That I might not sin against you. Blessed are you, O Lord. Teach me your statutes. With my lips I have declared all the judgments of your mouth. I have rejoiced in the way of your testimonies. As much as in all riches. I will meditate on your precepts. And contemplate your ways. I will delight myself in your statutes. I will not forget your word. Over and over again. The word of God. Say preacher what's the key to victory. In the Christian life. The word of God. We talked about the spirit of God. This morning in Sunday school. The spirit of God takes the word of God. And changes our life. And we're to memorize it and meditate on it. Over and over again we find the promise of blessing and success and prosperity and joy in our lives. If we'll fill our lives with God's word. I love how Charles Stanley put it. He said when we faithfully practice biblical meditation. We will discover that the Holy Spirit has been busy transforming our thinking. Our emotions and our actions so that we'll be more pleasing to God. As we begin to fill our hearts with God's Word, we begin to behave differently. We begin to respond differently. Why? Because God the Holy Spirit is taking His Word and changing us and making us more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Beloved, this will never happen, though, if you don't know Jesus Christ, though, in the first place. You must know Him as Savior and Lord. The Bible declares that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. If you don't know Him, today can be the day where you meet Him as your Savior and Lord. And I would encourage you to do that. Well, we know what it is. We know why we should do it. hope you're convinced in that. But here's the third thing. How do I go about this meditation? How do I go about meditating on God's Word? Well, I want to give you some practical suggestions. And hopefully these will prove helpful to you. I want to take our verse from last week that you quoted today. Genesis 1.1, and we're going to use it for our time of meditation today, okay? We're going to take that verse, you know it, you memorized it, many of you. And we're going to meditate on it this morning. So let's say that we've never looked at the verse, and so we've got the verse before us, we've memorized the verse, Genesis 1.1. We're going to, how do we go about meditating on it? How does this work, preacher? Well, we of course start by reading it. I mean, before you memorize it, I'm assuming you read it this past week, right? You looked at it. And you memorize it in your heart. And, and, and by the way, you should always practice biblical meditation when you read God's Word. Now we're doing extended meditation when we memorize, but every time you read the Word of God, you should think about it, shouldn't you? You should pause and muse on it. Otherwise, it's just words and we just rush through it. But how do we go about this extended meditation? We've memorized the verse. How do we go about doing it? 
Well, we're at a great advantage because, first of all, because of memorize, we can take it anywhere with us. We can take it everywhere. You can meditate while you mow the grass, while you chop wood, while you wash windows, while you're driving down the road, while you're taking a shower, while you're doing anything. You can meditate on God's Word. So what do we do, first of all? Well, we can use the three steps for Bible study. You say, well, preacher, what are the three steps for Bible study? Well, step one is observation. Observation asks this question, what do I see? So you take a verse of Scripture, a passage of Scripture, and you sit down and you begin to look at it. You say, what do I see here? Then the second step is interpretation. Interpretation asks this question, what does it mean? What does it mean? All Scripture has one clear meaning. And then thirdly, application. What do I do? What should I do with this verse? See, of observation, what do I see? Interpretation, what does it mean? And then application, what should I do? Now listen carefully. All Scripture has one interpretation, but many applications. Be careful saying this verse means this to me. Because the verse has a meaning, period. But then it has application to our lives. But you've got to get the meaning first. And so I take Genesis 1.1. And I begin to observe, and then I begin to interpret what it means. Then I begin to apply it to my life. Now to do that, you're going to have to come to grips with what the words mean. So you might have to look them up. In a dictionary, uh, if you've got a good Bible study Bible, it'll help you. The great thing about our new Sunday school literature, if you notice, it takes some of those hard, big words, and it defines them for us, and it helps understand what they mean. And so you've got to figure out what the words mean. You've got to think about it. And one great way to do it is to emphasize each word. Here's how we do that. Genesis 1.1. Are you ready? I'm going to emphasize a different word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. In the beginning, God created the heavens and here, you see we're starting to put an emphasis on each word because words are important. God does not waste words. Every jot, every tittle is important. So I begin to focus on each word. And it's important. You say, why is it important? Because you begin to understand the word. Now, a lot of you bought the book. You don't have to, but let me share with you. If you read this week's passage, when you got to that word God, now you know what we mean when we say God. You know who God is, I trust. But there's so much more. In fact, if you didn't read it, listen. The Bible translates the Hebrew word because the Old Testament is written in Hebrew. We have the English version. The Greek is the New Testament. The Bible translates the Hebrew word Elohim here is God. Now listen. The significance is that the word is in its plural form. It is a plural noun, thus hinting to us in the initial verse of Scripture that God is one, pictured as three. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Now you wouldn't know that if you didn't dig a little bit deeper. You just say in the beginning God. But then you begin to realize, wait a minute, this is not just talking about God the Father. This is plural. This is Elohim. This is the Godhead. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All active in creation. Then the verb created, which follows this noun, is in the singular form. Seemingly making a mockery of grammar. Yet it should be in singular in that He is the great three in one. We see this truth revealed later in Genesis 1.1. We read, let us make man in our image, Genesis 1.26. 
And then the following verse reads, So God created man in his own image and so forth. And you would not know all that if you didn't dig a little bit deeper. And stop and say, in the beginning, God. What, what, what name is used there for God? What does that name mean? And we begin to understand. Now, as you keep thinking about a verse, it opens itself up to you more and more like a treasure. Let's meditate on this verse together this morning. Let's take that first phrase, in the beginning. Let's just think about in the beginning for a little bit. In the beginning. In the beginning. That's hard for us to get our arms wrapped around, but this world had a beginning. There was a day where there wasn't a world, and then there was a day when there was a world. It had a beginning. But in the beginning, it says God. And so I understand then that God was already here at the beginning. So that means God is eternal. God is the one who was here before we were here and before the world was here. And it says there, in the beginning, God created. So all that we see and all that we have and us too, we are from the loving mind and heart of God because God created us. And He's the only one that could truly create something out of nothing. We make things, but we have to start with His created things. You might be a carpenter, not last name, but actual occupation or hobby. And so you are a carpenter and you want to make a table. You don't go out and create a tree. You take God's creation of a tree, you take wood, and you make a table. But this is not the way God worked. God created something out of nothing. We can never do that. In the beginning, God created. So all that I see is of the loving and from the loving heart and mind of my God, my Father. He created this. He created me. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Now, as I think about the heavens and the earth, that means since He created them, then that means that He is greater and higher than them. That means that He's separate from them. He's not a part of them. He created them. And that means He is above them. He is transcendent. He is God alone. And then as I think about that verse, and I begin to put it all back together, I find great comfort. And I find great encouragement. Why? Because I recognize afresh and anew just how great and awesome and powerful our God is. And I understand something else. He's the Creator and He's in control. And He's in charge. And I think about it more. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and I know He created me. That means I'm not here by chance. I'm not here just by a whim. I didn't crawl up out of a slimy pit somewhere and sprout some legs and, and arms. I'm a created being that God created. And, and I understand that I'm not here by chance. I understand that God made me and He made me by choice. Just as He made this world by choice. He chose in His sovereign will, in the councils of eternity, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit said, let's create a world, let's, like, let's make man in our image. And He made us. And I understand that my life then must have value. It must have a purpose about it. Because in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Do you see how meditation is such a blessing? 
It takes you from merely just knowing a verse in the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth, Genesis 1.1. But you begin to personalize it. You begin to internalize it. You begin to hide it in your heart, put it in your mind, meditate on it, chew on it, and it begins to grow your faith. It begins to encourage you. It begins to change you and transform you when you realize. And you know what it does? When truly done right, I believe it leads to worship. Because you can't, you can't look at that verse in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and not worship that God made. And then we begin to consider the application for our lives. Remember, we're meditating and memorizing not just for knowledge's sake, but so we can do the Word of God. We can do the will of God. Joshua 1.8, we're going to do these things. We're going to obey. So how does the application work? We know that it has interpretation. We understand, how does that work in my life? Now, what does it mean to me? Well, we can begin to ask questions of the Scripture. As you think about a passage of Scripture, you can ask the question, is there a promise to claim? Is there a promise to claim? Is there a sin to confess? Is there an example to follow? Is there an action to take? We begin to think about the verse in relationship to our lives. God, what do you want me to do as a result of knowing this verse? Of understanding this truth? And the Holy Spirit can help you in those matters. Now I want to be honest with you today. I want to be brutally honest with you. All of this is not just going to happen. If it's going to happen, if you're going to meditate on Scripture, you're going to have to make it happen with the enablement and help of the Holy Spirit. In the day in which we live, we we look back in Genesis there where Isaac went out and meditated in the fields. Now, a few here probably still do that, but most of us don't. Most of us are so busy and there's a thousand things screaming for our time and our attention. But beloved, this is so needful. This is a lost art today. The idea of meditating on Scripture. This will change our lives. It will change our emotions. It will change our outlook. It will change our faith. It will grow us. It will help us. It will change us. It will bless us. But we're going to make the effort to do it. It doesn't just happen. You're not going to wake up one day And just, oh, my mind and heart is still with God's Word. It doesn't work by osmosis. I remember that from science class. You don't just sleep on your Bible and say, oh, well, praise the Lord. Glory to God, it's in my head and my heart. No! You've got to put a little time and effort in it. Is it worth five minutes a day to fill your mind and heart with God's Word? Absolutely. And I want to challenge all of us today with the Lord's enablement To begin meditating on God's Word. It will help us to think God's thoughts. It will help us to know God better. And it will bring blessing to our lives. It's worth the effort. May God help us to do it. Father, I thank You that Your Word is true. It is sharp. It is powerful. It divides joint marrow. It's profitable for doctrine, for correction, for reproof, for instruction in righteousness. Your Bible is inspired. Your Word is your Word, Father. It is true from cover to cover. It is the final authority for faith and practice. It is the God of our life and the rule of our faith. And Father, I pray that you would help us as a church family as we're seeking to hide it in our hearts that we would not only memorize it, but meditate on it, internalize it, chew on it. And allow your Holy Spirit to change us and mold us and shape us in a great way to the image of Christ.
Bless your people, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. And looking for a closing hymn, I thought an appropriate one was 502. Open my eyes that I may see. I would invite you to turn there, 502. Open my eyes that I may see glimpse of truth thou hast for me. Place in my hands the wonderful key. That shall unclasp and set me free. Silently now I wait for thee. Ready, my God, thy will to see. Open my eyes, illumine me, Spirit divine. What a great prayer to pray as you come to God's Word. Would you stand and sing 502, Open my eyes that I may see. the last.